Welcome to Rome. This is The Bittersweet Life with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. A few years back, I decided I wanted to go live in New Orleans for a time, just for a month, just to see what it was like to be there for any length of time. And while I was there, I learned a lot of important lessons about life, and I met some amazing people, wonderful friends. And one of those friends was Sabine. Sabine is an expat from France, now living in New Orleans full-time. We give a lot of American opinions on this show about living in Italy, so I thought you would enjoy this outside take on America. What traditions does France do better? And why does Sabine prefer to live in the States, even though she once lived in Paris? I hope you enjoy this conversation. And I'm going to leave on the New Orleans introduction, the mix that I created for that time when I was living in New Orleans, because as much as I love the Welcome to Rome intro, I really, really loved the introduction to New Orleans. So I hope you enjoy it. And if you haven't listened to the whole New Orleans series yet, I highly recommend looking for it after you hear this interview with Sabine. Welcome to New Orleans. This is The Bittersweet Life with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell down in New Orleans with one of my new friends down here in New Orleans. Do you want to introduce yourself? Sure. I'm Sabine. I've uh, been in New Orleans for the past couple years in the U.S. for now almost eight, coming from France, as it probably still sounds like. Um, that's it. With a name like Sabine, that's more French than uh, American, that's for sure. So actually, people don't really know where it comes from. Every time I tell my name here, they're like, oh, Sabine, yes, there's a river here called that and all of that, so I'm not sure. Do you Have you been in New Orleans the whole eight years? No, so I first moved in 2009 from France in California after a few back and forth between France and California dating an American we ended up getting married and I stayed over there for until 2012 uh, and I moved to Baton Rouge first in Louisiana after that after I got a job offer long story short I'm now here without that first husband <laughs> <laughs> Is that a good thing, I guess? It's a good thing. I should mention, too, that we're sitting outdoors, and so I could just hear music in the distance and sirens, and hey, welcome to New Orleans, and there's wind, so I'm going to put this little scarf thing on my... Yeah, this is, this, is, this is practically live radio, except it's not live. Okay, so you meet a, an American man. Did you meet the American in France, or did, did you move here and then meet the first husband? No, I met him during my first travel in the U.S. And then from there, we started to date. And I came back to France, went back to the U.S., had to go back to France, the whole visa, passport thing, you know. And eventually, it was, well, kind of tired to have to go back and forth. <laughs> It'd be cool to just leave in the U.S. It just sounded like very exotic at the time. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I did that. We decided to get married eventually, which was what 
landed me here ultimately yeah even though it was not probably the best decision relationship wise but you don't always do the best decisions uh. <laughs> <laughs> well what do they call those starter husbands right actually yes that's a great word <laughs> it's great no starter husband i almost feel like everybody should have one it considerably helps a lot with the second one <laughs> and everything that comes after that <laughs> but you guys didn't get married so that you could live in the united states Yes and no. I mean, we were together for real. However, I tried to ask for a work visa during that time at first, not very much knowing at all what it entailed. I didn't get it. If I had known what the process was, I would have never even applied for it and wasted the money to do it. <laughs> so I kind of blindly tried that. And after uh, that was denied, I was like, well, now what? I still want to come back. <laughs> so... <laughs> sounds like uh, marriage is uh, kind of plan B. So we did that, even though we were not really ready. We would not have gotten married if we were just in a normal relationship. That's interesting. So from a perspective of, you know, obviously I'm from the United States, you're from France, but from a perspective of somebody from France moving to the United States, did you found it to be extremely difficult to come to live here or no? Yes and no. <laughs> I feel like there's never like a clean-cut answer. Obviously easier than, than for someone that would maybe move to a third-world country or somewhere that has a, not a first-world, not a developed country, mm -hmm. you know, society, culture. You mean if you were coming from a third-world country to here? Or, 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 or if I was going to France and move to Africa oh, or okay. India, those countries, you know, there is... A lot about the U.S. that I knew through TV, movies, and everything that we are kind of bombarded about in Europe. There were still surprises, but I was expecting a lot of things. So it wasn't that hard. Mm -hmm. uh, but there are still, even today, things that amazes you, or at least sometimes make you cringe or things like that <laughs> on an everyday basis. Do you have an example? Right now, it's probably not the best example, uh, considering the political events. So there's a lot of things that makes me cringe. <laughs> But maybe a, another example would be being asked for my ID when I want to buy a bottle of wine at the store. <laughs> Or the streets being so wide, you're scared for your life to cross them. Or just all those little differences. I could think of a thousands, uh, not right now, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you must know from living here for so long that not all Americans, but many have sort of a romantic notion about what it would be like to live in France, you know. I mean, what do you think of the American view of France? Yeah, it's definitely very idealized and romanticized. So I am from Paris or the suburb of Paris. I grew up in the suburb of Paris, but then went to college in a university in Paris. So Paris was my scene for many years. As much as I was conscious of the beauty around me, I would have never thought of it as this romantic place or anything like that. To me, I think of Paris more of the, I don't know. Like right now, especially being in Louisiana, The only thing I hear from my friends that are still there is complaining about the weather <laughs> or complaining about, 
I mean, I guess French people complain about everything. Yeah, but I mean, you would not, because you're from there, this is a debate that Tiffany and I have had a lot. It's like, is Europe being built in a much more beautiful way than much of the United States? Partly because it's older, you know, and so it had different crafting throughout time. But we were trying to get at the question, is beauty enough when there's a bunch of other stuff that's a total pain in the butt to make you want to live in a place versus another place? I think so. Actually, I had a little bit of that feeling with New Orleans after I moved from California. So I lived in Sacramento for three years, the suburb of of Sacramento, which is just typical sprawled Californian city. That was really a shock. That was actually hard to live there as a French person coming from a French city. (laughs) So actually coming to New Orleans, I enjoy it here so much more because of this, I guess, more European-ish vibe, architecture, just the way the city is built. You can walk places. Buildings are to, you know, human scale. There's (laughs) uh, people drive horribly, so you can... still risk your life crossing streets but it it's just as a it's a much more livable place to a european standard mm-hmm. i guess and i think it is the beauty is part of it definitely would it be enough probably not if it was just that probably not and what do you think about living in new orleans the culture i felt like california didn't have much at least where i was i don't want to speak for everywhere but it didn't resonate much in me <laughs> Here, there's so much history and colors and and not just physically, but people are so proud. You can feel like there's such a strong history and deep-rooted culture. Mm -hmm. That's what appeals to me. Yeah, it's not like brand new, like the West Coast Mm -hmm. is sort of a brand new thing. When you came over here to to visit or come to the U.S. for the first time, were you intending to stay So I remember having this, once I decided to make the move and stay, I remember having this thought in my mind. I remember telling my parents, I'll stay for five years and then I'll come back, Um, which was very naive, probably. (laughs) It probably took me five years to just finally feel comfortable, have a real job, feel like I belong and actually enjoy it very much. Mm-hmm. So, and I think I've, I've read actually that that five year threshold, whatever is, if you pass that time, it's just gonna get harder and harder to go back at that point. And I'm now at eight years, going on nine, I think. I think that's a done deal at this point. Well, <laughs> I mean, and you, you did marry an Amer- another American. Yeah. And what an American, really. <laughs> This one is the good one. Yeah. And that I was able to see <laughs> thanks to screwing up number one. <laughs> but seriously, no, he's great. And this is definitely home now. We, we bought a house here. This is his home. So, yeah, we actually now talk about maybe going back to France when we are retired. <laughs> um, but definitely my life is here. Yeah. What does he think of France? Do you know? He loves it. He can't speak French, so I feel bad for him because even though he says he loves it, which I know he does, I mean, he enjoys the food, the wine, he likes all those things, the history, the scenery, I mean, he likes everything about it. But the fact that he cannot speak French, I feel like he's still missing on so much because he can't communicate. He can communicate with my family. 
I have to be the translator. I feel like there's so much things that he's missing on from the, the culture and, and everything. Mm-hmm. Maybe one day, but I'm, I'm not very hopeful anymore. <laughs> Do you think he has any interest in... I mean, he has the ultimate French teacher in, oh. in the house. You could speak to him in French for an hour every single day. I might actually be lazy too. It's actually harder for me now to speak French with him than English. It would take an hour to have a conversation that should take five minutes. <laughs> um, I'm not very patient either. He says he's interested. He says he wants to learn. He just needs to find, uh, I guess, the right time if there is if that ever happens. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's ever a right time. One of the things I remember Tiffany telling me about Claudio, her husband, when he was trying to learn English, is that she would have him go on these walks with her and say, okay, on this walk, we're only going to be speaking in English. And then somewhere along the walk, she would realize that he was speaking in Italian and so was she. That it had flipped at some point mm-hmm. during the conversation. She didn't know where. So that means... He- it sounds like he had already some knowledge of English to even be able to have even the basic, the most basic conversation to start with, which mine does not. <laughs> so, so if we were to just start speaking, it would just be Hello. like me speaking and him saying, wee oui, wee. Oui. <laughs> I mean, another thing I remember Tiffany telling me that was so surprising was she was just saying that in some cases there's just no way to communicate what she's trying to say to him and part of that is a cultural difference like in in the united states we would say you hurt my feelings and to an italian that sentiment isn't something that's normal so he wouldn't be like well what do you mean by my feelings is there anything like that so i don't feel like i have an equivalent not so much into words but more into when it comes to ways of communicating, is where we have issues sometimes. He's a really good communicator, and it's always very explicit and this or that, black, black, black and white. It, it's things have to be, you know, laid out as it is. Whereas me, and there might be a French culture, but might be also be me being even more. <laughs> uh, less communicative, very much into the gray area all the time, much more critical wherein he is, he needs encouragement and he's just raised like an American person. It's all about being encouraged, always being happy and positive and, and, and I'm not. <laughs> and so, so it does create some arguments and frustrations. I've spent all of three days in France. <laughs> Literally my entire life. What is the difference? Yes, we are very um we are very positive. We are incredibly encouraged by our parents. <laughs> yeah. My parents never really encourage me. You could always do better. Even when you do something good, oh, you know. You're like you're kind of expecting on doing that and there's always room for improvement. It's like they're scared to tell you you were good at something. <laughs> and my parents might be even more so than the average French when it comes to that. I mean, he's the total opposite of me. Most of the time, it always comes down to the communication issue and me criticizing more than I praise. And I realize that, and I realize I probably have to... It's just really hard. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, help. 
<laughs> I mean, does that seem kind of ridiculous to you, coming from your background? Um, yes and no. I realize that I could probably have used some more praising myself growing up. So I realize there's a lack of that. But in the same time, in, in a lot of situations, I feel like it's okay. It's not such a big deal. Well, it's okay if I didn't tell you that. I'm not necessarily expecting him to understand, but I guess I feel like there's a lot of things that are not necessarily obvious that he should... <laughs> I shouldn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> that he should have understood anyway, even though it wasn't explicitly explained. But that doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah. And there might be also just a man-woman differences. I don't think it's all cultural. Did you do a bunch of dating in France before? Yeah. <laughs> average amount. <laughs> An average amount. <laughs> An average amount. Let's say I had one significant like, long-term relationship in France before to move to the U.S. And I certainly did not realize all of those differences at the time. There are some cultural differences. Katie here, stepping into the show for a brief moment to say that if you're new to the program, don't be afraid to go back and listen from the beginning, or just dabble through the shows of the past. Most of our topics are timeless. They are as fun today as they were years ago. So please subscribe to the show and then explore. Also, if you're all caught up and you'd love some new content, we are releasing brand new episodes on patreon.com slash thebittersweetlifepodcast. This month, Tiffany reveals how she remembers so many ancient Roman facts off the top of her head, and I tell you the worst piece of advice I ever followed. All that and more for as little as $5 a month at patreon.com slash thebittersweetlifepodcast. There are links in the show notes. And one final thing, August is Tiffany's birthday month, and I would love to get her the gift of more reliable internet. We have had all sorts of internet issues in the past year, and this show has been all the harder to make because of it. As you know, Tiffany is in Rome and I am in Seattle. We are always working remote with each other. Help me build up enough money to give her this gift. Heck, give us both this gift. Send a one-time birthday present donation through PayPal at thebittersweetlife.net and send your greetings and well wishes to Tiffany at the same time. TheBittersweetLife.net And now, back to the show. We talk a lot about Italy because both of us live there. In Italy, the family comes first, so to speak. you know, And then your friends, and then way down here, your job or whatever. The family unit is the most important thing. In the United States, it's probably more about building wealth than anything. <laughs> yeah. What is it for France? It might be somewhere in the middle. I mean, we do have that stereotype of ourselves about Italian, much more about the family and all. And, and France, I, f I feel like France is probably somewhere in the middle. We do value much more time with the family, time, you know, sitting at the table, having dinner, having structured meals kids spending time with the parents during their adult activity and not always cater to the kids. It's less about the individual and more about the nuclear family, mm -hmm. however you call that. That's how you call That's it in right. English. That's right. right, yeah. So yes, and definitely less about money, but that I think everybody knows that. What would you say for you has been the hardest part about 
being in the United States rather than being in France? Aside from obviously not having, you know, my family around and be able to see them on a regular basis and be part of all the family events and, and all of that. Aside from that, I would say <sighs> politics. Like, I feel like it's really hard socially, culturally, politically to be French in the U.S. Probably less so once you're in the city, which is probably why I enjoy being in New Orleans much more than I did in the suburb of Sacramento. You know, you meet more diverse people with diverse backgrounds and just more open. Even though the rest of Louisiana, not so much. I really wouldn't live anywhere else than in New Orleans. <laughs> it's hard to relate with people on that level when you think that there's a lot of things that are normal here that would be considered <laughs> so not normal <laughs> in France. And it's just hard to live seeing all those things being said or happening. That goes from guns and racism and right-wing I mean, I don't want to be political on this show. No, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> There's a lot of things that seems very extreme to me and that I just have to deal with. Sometimes you end up making a friend and you realize that <laughs> their views of the world are so different <laughs> from yours that you even wonder, like, should I be friend with that person? And there's a lot of people that I know that I appreciate and that I get along with. But truthfully, if I was in France, I would probably not. They would be on that spectrum <laughs> of the... They would be on the, on the dark side. <laughs> do, you find that, um, do you find that people make assumptions about you since you're French? Uh. Not to call you out for... <laughs> since you're French. What assumptions? <laughs> I mean... I don't think so. And I've never felt like that, at least. Um, everybody here thinks French people are... You know, there are stereotypes. What are the stereotypes? I guess we're supposed to be those super romantic people with hair everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> what do you make of the guns? Oh, 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 um. So because I've been here so long, I feel I've I feel like I've been more able to understand the whole thing a little bit more than before. It's still, <laughs> I don't even know where to start. <laughs> Do you have any uh, personal experiences with it? My husband owns guns, which I've told him he knows I'm not comfortable with it. He respects that. Uh, I never see them. But um, I would feel safer if there was no guns around in my own home. Mm -hmm. Even though they are supposed to protect me right. somehow. <laughs> Quote, unquote. Quote, unquote. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, that is a subject that people hear. If people assume something, usually people know where I stand as a French person to respond to your earlier question. <laughs> so usually I just avoid the subject because they already know. To me, it is absurd that people still read an article from a three-century, two-century-old constitution and want to apply it to the letter, like if it could not ever be amended mm -hmm. somehow, you know, with time. All laws are always amended through time. 
What do your friends at home think about your lifestyle? I'm thinking about <laughs> I'm thinking about like Tiffany living over there in Rome and if if you haven't listened to our podcast you don't know the trials and difficulties that she had. You just know, oh, she's living in Rome. What a what a oh, life she must be living. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, um, I've heard mixed feeling. Uh, a lot of them feel sorry, <laughs> <laughs> especially nowadays um, with what's happening, president, and every time we've had shootings and all of the. I mean, there just seem to be a lot of bad things happening in the U.S. Uh, at the moment, mm-hmm. but. A lot of them don't really understand how I can enjoy it here. <laughs> like, so French, like it just seems like impossible to just to embrace <laughs> the American culture. And that would be more like my parents or my aunts, uncles or that generation. And then I have friends that are maybe a little bit more open or have maybe a slightly different view or a more nuanced view of the U.S., I wouldn't say any are jealous or anything, for sure. What is it about living here that you actually like so much? <laughs> I've been asked that one time and I couldn't answer <laughs> the question. <laughs> like, let's see, mass shootings, crazy president. I know, right? It's like, what, what, uh... I'm not sure I can explain it. There's, there's something I feel, even after eight or nine years, there is something that still make me feel that I live in some parallel world Mm -hmm. (laughs) that I'm living like this cool life that's not supposed to be real life tell me more about that that's cool (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sure I can explain this Uh, it's like being on a long extended vacation I don't know if it's the fact that speaking a different language that is not your own is kind of a daily reminder that you don't live in your own country (laughs) Mm-hmm. So it's exotic in a way. Seeing all those, you know, little differences every day that I'm used to it now, but it's still, I don't know. Sometimes I still think to myself, I'm in America, and it still kind of sounds like in a movie mm-hmm. <laughs> or a 1990s series. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like something that's not the real life. Yeah. And I think maybe that's that. I don't know. <laughs> well, that it could have been so different. Yeah. yeah. Because now when I come back to my country, I kind of feel the reverse of that. I see all those things that I didn't see before. So I almost feel like become a vacation on either side. Mm-hmm. It's like being home everywhere, but not being home anywhere. I've lost a part of French me, and I've gained, an, I don't think I'll ever be like American, but I've definitely am more American than eight years ago when I first came here. I think that one of the things that we struggle with and talk about on the show all the time is that search for like, where do I want to be? Who do I want to be? And often, if you're me, you're not necessarily finding it. You're constantly searching for it. But what is your thoughts on that? No, yeah, I think I might have found me in the U.S. I, I do feel like I've been able to be more me. There's some aspect of me that I've been able to embrace more here than I was in France. I've always been more social than my friends on average i remember when we were teenagers or young adults walking in the streets and if if you know when people try to talk to you in paris you you don't pay attention you don't talk to them (laughs) you just you just continue uh what you're doing because it's kind of thought as something just weird 
Why are you looking at me? I mean, I'm not your friend. <laughs> yeah, you um, wouldn't walk by and be like, oh, hi, good evening. Yeah, and just strike a conversation with strangers is something that is so natural here. And people smile and are more positive. I kind of feel like even though I'm, people think I'm so critical here, and I'm thinking of my husband when I say that, uh, <laughs> I think I am more positive. Maybe I'm more positive on average than my family, at least, or the, the circle of people that I was with in France and that actually feel like I am happier for that here in the U.S. That's one thing. Yeah. The weather. So I know we don't have... Louisiana is not necessarily known for its great weather. It's just hot and humid. And, but there is more sun. <laughs> it's sunnier than where I come from, north of France. I do really think that the number of hours in the sun has an effect on your overall psyche. Yeah. I'm really trying to uh, figuring out, at, as you're asking right now, so yeah. <laughs> what makes me happier here? That's all right. I mean, <laughs> that doesn't seem like a good answer, the weather. But I think it, it has an impact. I think maybe I've had too much of the gloomy weather being cozy back in France that I'm probably the only person that don't complain about the hot and humid weather here i embrace it to me it still feels like this caribbean vacation feeling (laughs) i don't care even like right now there's probably mosquitoes biting me everywhere but it's kind of one of those things that if i was back home i would associate those things with being in a tropical country on a vacation (laughs) so i can't complain it's sort of like you moved to the tropical country is there anything that you would say from having grown up in France that, you know, the French do, or even a couple things, that the French seem to do so much better oh, yeah. than people do here? <laughs> Please do enlighten us. <laughs> um, food, for sure. And that, I don't think that would come as a surprise. Um, yeah, what's the big difference, though? Well, people actually take the time to cook. People take the time to just enjoy life doing nothing but eating and drinking and it's perfectly fine here i don't know it just feels like people always have to be somewhere else (laughs) 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 or um yeah actually i was thinking of that just a few days ago because with the holidays approaching quickly i guess um it was decided that we're going to host christmas dinner with my husband's family for me christmas dinner has to be this elaborate five course dinner (laughs) for which you will sit at the table for hours but everybody will enjoy that and there will be a different wine for every dish and you will take the time to go through that dish and have a break and talk and open another bottle and bring the other dish and and the way it's done here is just so butchered (laughs) in my opinion (laughs) um bringing everything on the table at once and buffet style with everybody just grab your plates and half the people will sit at the table and two person will sit on the couch because there's not enough seating at the table (laughs) because it doesn't even yeah i guess people are maybe less prepared to host those events where you have to fit everybody at the table you eat at the table i'm kind of dreading it because i wish i could do it my way (laughs) why not do it your way though my way but then i know his family is not used to that and there's young kids that are definitely not used to that 
And so I don't know if it's realistic to expect it to happen. Like in I mean, that said, young, young kids, you could change them. This could be <laughs> our, your opportunity. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> your house being like the best house, the best That's tradition, the best maybe, Christmas. Maybe I could teach them the way it could be done. Yeah. Maybe. Um, that that's one thing that I miss that I think French do better. Italian people do be do that better too, probably. Yeah, they I know, like the food culture over there is probably similar to to that of France. But something that American people do better than French, communication. As much as it creates arguments <laughs> maybe between my husband and I, I have to give it to him. <laughs> He's a great communicator, and even uh, at work, like things are, it's clear cut. It's always this is what it is. So in in a way, I think that that makes it easier on everybody. I think they're also better at just seeing things positively. And again, I was criticizing that earlier, but really, life would be very uh, depressing if <laughs> you didn't see the right side, the right side of things. I will give that to them. <laughs> <laughs> I keep saying them, like them American, and I've noticed that in the past more and more, I felt weirder and weirder saying them as there's me, not part of them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Even though when I talk about the French, I also say them now, wow. uh, as I'm also not part of them anymore, <laughs> somewhere in the middle. Right. Mm -hmm. So do you feel like slightly stateless, so to speak? Sort of. Not here, not there. I kind of feel like I'm like flying above both, see both countries from further up and be able to criticize things on both sides. If I'm talking to French people about America, I will defend Americans. I will even defend things that I don't necessarily agree with. <laughs> mm -hmm. and, and the other way around, when I'm talking to American, I will defend French things. Can I ask you one more question yes. and, and then we'll go eat dinner? Sometimes when Americans go to Europe, they fall in love with the sound of, say, the ambulances <laughs> or the church <laughs> bells or the things that they don't hear on a regular basis. Yes. Is so there anything like that yes. here for you? Yes. The fireman truck. <laughs> uh -huh. Fireman truck and... Um, the police cars and that doesn't do it to me as much now because you really get used to it but it does really make you feel like you're in a movie <laughs> it's kind of those things that you constantly hear in movies and such like that but in new orleans new orleans now has like a different set of sounds that would be different from other places uh, and I actually listen to your the first podcast that you had here in new orleans and this new intro yeah. <laughs> uh, before you even mention it, because you, you hear the intro before you mention the fact that you changed the intro. Yeah. And I noticed right away the, the sound of the whatever that bird is. Yeah, it's <laughs> some sort of blue jay as far as I can tell, but I'm not sure. I haven't looked it up uh, yet. And right away I, I heard that and was like, oh, that was here. <laughs> mm -hmm. that, was, that's, that is not Rome anymore. <laughs> right. That is definitely uh, Louisiana. <laughs> Maybe that's one of the other things that makes me feel like I'm on vacation all the time in an exotic country. Yeah. All those sounds and smells. Thank you so much for sitting down and talking with me. And you're going away on your, your yes. delayed honeymoon in two days, so it stands to reason that you and I won't see each other again. That is true. Well, but maybe you might like New Orleans a little 
A little. <laughs> Maybe you might like New Orleans so much you stay longer. Yeah, well, we'll see. You never know. You never know. Well, thank you so much. This is my friend Sabine, and I'm Kitty Sewell, and this is The Bittersweet Life. Join us again. Bye. <laughs> My thanks to the Dapper Dandies for supplying some of the music for the new New Orleans opening of the show. And remember, take action if you love the show. Tell a friend, write a review, write a blog post, or give us a donation. And we'll talk to you next week. Bye. <laughs>